resisting attacks, as they're resisting attacks from the enemy. And, uh, and I'm going to read from Nehemiah chapter 4. Let me read it and then we can pray over the word. So uh, Nehemiah t- chapter 4. It says, Sambalat was very angry when he learned... Let me pause a second before I read. Let me preface this. Because sometimes if you don't know the story, you might be lost in what I'm reading. Um, the story of Nehemiah, or this book of Nehemiah, covers a period of time where the Israelites had lived under the, the, the Persian Empire. Uh, they are living in a, a time where the, Persian, the reign of the Persian Empire. And at that time, Jerusalem was not really a significant city when it came to the Persian Empire. And a lot of the people, there are many young people that have been taken to Babylon, and um, in fact, uh, uh, they, they, they were the captives, uh, they've been taken captive there. They used some of their most talented people, talented young people to serve in the king's chambers and all those sorts of things. And Nehemiah was one of those young men that had been captured, but he was very smart, very, very talented. Uh, uh, talented individual and worked in the palace. And, and, and so and, and, and the, at this point in history, uh, there had been a, the king had kind of allowed there was a little bit more freedom that was taking place. And, 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 the, the, and, and he had not had so much info about what was going on in his hometown in Jerusalem. And there are some of the Jews that had come back and told him of how the condition was in, in, uh, in Jerusalem, that the city had been destroyed, the gates had been torn down, it was just in rubbles. And, and he was so, so upset in side, because for the Jewish people, even though from a geopolitical standpoint in Persian Empire, it wasn't a significant town. It meant nothing really necessarily. It wasn't very strong economically, but for the Jewish people, it was the city of God. It was the center of their worship. The temple was in Jerusalem. So it was a very foundational city, and it meant everything. When he heard that how bad things were back home, he got really upset and disheartened and says, God, we got to do something about rebuilding that so that people have a place to go back and worship God. And so Nehemiah, um, I'm giving you a summary of the book, one of my favorite books in, in the Old Testament. I could preach on Nehemiah for a whole year, I promise. It's just so much in there that is uh, that so good. And I just might one day, uh, if the Lord says to do it. So, so, so he had determined to go back and rebuild the temple, and he got permission from his boss, who was the king, uh, to go out and uh, work on his hometown. So when you're picking up on the story here, there are people that did not like what he was doing. Okay? And so this is who we are reading about. Uh, uh, so let's go back to our text. Did that help if you didn't know the story a little bit? Okay, awesome. So Sambalat was very angry when he learned that they, they were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and uh, mocked the Jews and saying that in front of the, his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, fearable Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from the rubbish heap and uh, charred ones at, at that? Tobiah and the Ammonites who were standing beside him remembered that, re- remarked that the stone wall was, um, would collapse even if a fox would walk on, along on top of it. Then I pray, this is Nehemiah, and hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. 
Don't ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for <laughs> they have provoked you into anger here in front of, their bil of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. And, 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 and I wish we could read more, and, and, and I, this is what I always say, you know, some time of history that we live in, that all of us have access to God's word. I mean, no, 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 um, uh, no requirement, no, no, uh, there are no limitations to the extent that we can go to it now. There are people living alongside with us that don't have the same access that we do. But in the years past, Old Testament pro uh, prophets will prophesy and they yearned for these days when the word of God was so accessible to us, when the spirit of God was so accessible to, uh, to us. I say, take the book. Don't just take what I'm reading to you. Go, go read it. Take this week. Say, hey, I'm going to read, read Nehemiah. It's a small book and it's very, very actually captivating to read. It's entertaining. Just for the entertainment factor, read the book. But you know what? It's the Lord's word. It will inspire you. It will encourage you. You'll learn a thing or two that would make a difference in your life. But, uh, but the picture here, I want to take the picture that this story teaches us. Now, they are determined to do something good. Life had gone on in not such a good way. Walls are destroyed and uh, they're in rubbles and everything. But they're determined that they're going to rebuild the city. They're going to rebuild the temple. They're going to have a place to worship again. And then someone who had dominion over them, someone who ruled over them, someone who, who had power over their lives, he says, not so fast. And if you read the backstory, you'd find that initially the resistance was not that like, huge. It was just like, hey, I don't think they could do it. There wasn't even much said. It was just like, nah, there's no way they could do that. And Nehemiah said, watch me. And as he starts pressing forward and making progress, the resistance intensified and intensified and intensified. And by the time it got to the point where they're about to finish the, finish the war and they're going on with the job, it says that they were getting attacked physically by their adversary, by their enemies and the people who hated them. And it says that some builders were so focused in their work that they would be holding bricks with one hand and a sword in another. They weren't stopping the job to go fight and then come back and build. No, they was like, we are building while fighting. I mean, they just was that focused. And they got the job done. And the picture is how the enemy works in our lives. You see, when we come to Jesus, God begins to remake us. He begins to rebuild us, if you would. Because before we come to Christ, before we surrender to Christ, we're pretty much under the dominion of the enemy. In fact, he doesn't bother us that much because he's got us. But once you start walking on the right path, you start determining, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to move forward. Some things just start happening. 
and you wonder why. We had this discussion that just actually walked out, came out organically on Wednesday night. We have this um, disciple, no, the foundations group that we have here at the church, and it was about this very topic. And I didn't even initiate it. Some people started talking, they didn't even know what I was planning to speak on. And I just let it float in. I said, like, is it the enemy attacking? Am I just, you know, God allows those attacks. But if we stick to his plan, we already have the victory even before we started. And they start to mock him. They say words that will plant doubts in their lives. Very, very much so the way Satan works in our lives. I wanted to just pick five areas today just to help equip us how to, to, to resist when the enemy is attacking us. That we see, you know, the first thing that the enemy does from the story we read, I see one, one of the first statements, he goes, what are these fearful Jews doing? You know, he understood that they knew what their social status was, which was literally nothing. They had no significance in the Persian Empire. They weren't even a concern. And I says, you guys are just dirt. You're the lowest of the lowest. What do you think you're going to do? And what is he doing there? The enemy attacks you at the point of your weakness. He recognizes where their weakest points were, and so he starts attacking that. I was talking to a young man one time that uh, I'd met, and uh, in a just discussion and connecting one day, I'd, 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 uh, before I would actually, I would pray for him that day, and he would give his life to Jesus. And he was around Old Street. It was just a random encounter. And he starts telling me about how I don't understand his life, what it's like to live with an addiction, and, uh, and how... It would mess up his life. And, and, and I said, no, I get it. So he was surprised that I understood. Now, I wasn't addicted, but I remember my dad went through with alcohol. So I'd seen it firsthand, very close. And I know how destructive it can be to someone that's so talented and gifted and has so much potential. And that guy told me, you know, like I'd been clean for a long time. And one time I was just angry with someone. I got out of my apartment and I walked down and, and I picked up a cigarette. And that one smoke brought me right back to my addiction and my life's been ruined. How sad is that? See, Satan doesn't attack where you're strong. He knows where you're strong. He has no chance. He looks for the areas of your weaknesses and that's where he goes at. He pokes at that. If you're dealing with a thing like that, like that young guy that I was talking to, I mean, when the game is on, don't go to the sports bar to watch the game with your friends. You're setting up yourself for failure. And that's what he wants to do. He attacks them at the point of their weakness. But uh, there is hope in Jesus because we don't depend on just our own strength. We depend on his strength. He says when we are weak, he is strong. He says, behold, let the poor say that I am rich. Let the weak say that I am strong because of what God's doing in our lives. So now we can ride on God's strength. I know I'm weak. I'm not in this area. I'm not denying and I'm not burying my head in the sun. But I know that with God's help, 
with God's strength, if I count on him and walk with him, then I can overcome every weakness because it's not my strength anyway. He says in the Bible that it's not by might, it is not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen? So if the, has the enemy been attacking you in your life, maybe bringing your past, bringing areas that you know, you don't even have to be convinced that, man, I'm not the strongest, I'm not the best, I don't make the best, best judgment in here. Well, surround yourself with people that can strengthen that. Surround yourself um, um, with, a, <clears throat> get yourself filled with the Spirit. Get yourself walking in the Lord. And don't put yourself in a position where he can isolate you and go after you. Another thing that the enemy does, see as Sambalat goes, will they fortify themselves? It's a, it's a, that's another statement he makes. He wants to kill your confidence. He wants you to think that you can't. You went for that job interview, got turned down. You put out a million applications, nobody looks at them. And you start thinking, boy, do I really have it? in me? Am I really that bad? Maybe I am. Once you start doubting inside, then you start losing and the fall is great. We are like great ships or boats in the water. I realized that when I... If the water is not let into the boat, the boat is not sinking. You can't, the boat will not sink with waters around it. It will only sink with the water inside. Outside voices can be hostile. You don't get to control outside voices. You don't get to control the haters. It always amazes me how people try to change the hater. News is, you will never change the haters. Because no, none of us have any control over anybody. We can legislate love, but it's not going to happen. People are just going to do the right thing and they're going to comply, but their hearts, if they were wrong, they were still going to be wrong. But what the Lord asks of us is that we don't let that stuff come in and affect who we are. It doesn't affect who you are. And you can weather the storms from the outside like these guys did. They realized that they had people that mocked them, they hated them, and, 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 and they would uh, want to put them down so that they don't have energy to rise, so that they could doubt themselves, that they could do it. Jesus, Paul said that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not bragging, I'm bragging on the Lord who strengthens me every day. I can wake up every morning with my head high, not because I'm that good, no, because I belong to the one that is that good. And then he goes on to say, hey, will they offer sacrifices? Do they think that they could get everything done here by just offering sacrifices? See, if you know the story of the Israelites, whenever they had proper worship in their lives, they were always blessed. Whenever worship, real worship of God, was the central focus of their lives, 
things happened well. Think about the, great, the first commandment. What was the first of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt have no any other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any of an image, of any likeness, of anything that is in the heaven above, the earth beneath, and there are waters underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor worship them. Exodus 20, verse 3 and 4. God wanted them to centralize their life around worship. And basically what you're doing is a heart pasture and a life attitude that God is not just God, because God is God, but I'm allowing the Lord to be the Lord of my life. See, he can be, he is God, unchanged. But I get to choose whether he's going to be my Lord. Because uh, being lordship is submission and saying, hey God, I'm submitting my will to your will. I'm submitting my life to you. I'm dedicating my heart. Everything I have is yours. Every decision I make around my life, I'm going to ask you first, is that what you would want me to do? If you say, nah, then I stop. Even if I, in my own calculation, the decision maybe would be profitable for me or would look, appear good to me, I have decided to relinquish control of my life and I am completely dependent on, on your guidance, on your protection, because I know, I keep saying this, it sounds old all the time, when I come up here, that God is all the time. And all the time, God is good. I've ingrained that in my spirit, and I know even if I don't understand it, even though it doesn't make sense, if I'm submitted to the Lord, that He is my guide, He's, He will never fail me. I will ultimately win even when I can't see it. In Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust the Lord, 3, 4, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him for He will direct your path. I know that my path is directed by God. He says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He's like, two ways to go. God says, no, this one looks so attractive right now. But God says, no, 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 that's not what I had for you. That's not what I had in mind. I will redirect you to Lincoln, Nebraska. I never thought in my wildest dream I'd ever live in Lincoln, Nebraska. But if that was God's plan and I decide to go somewhere else, how many know that my life would not be fruitful? But if that was the, what God was directing me, then I'm going to rejoice and say, God, you planted me here. This is my place because this is the place you chose for me. I'm going to live my life in full. I'm not going to be looking back and thinking, man, I left 65 degrees to 75 degrees all year round for this. <laughs> Never had allergy a day in my life. And now every spring and fall, I'm like... <laughs> You think, like, what's wrong with that guy? The hair, I don't know what it is. Shove the driveway. Sheesh, what is that? In Nairobi, you never talk about weather. I remember one, one of my brothers, um, I was visiting one time, and it was, it was just in the spring where it can be cold sometimes. You know, like last week, it was kind of nippy sometimes. You go out with a short sleeve shirt and say, man, it's kind of cold. Well, he looks out the window. He says, it's going to be... A, well, he had a short sleeve shirt and shorts. And he's like, you know, it's going to be a nice day. It's going to be really nice. Because, well, the sun was out. I says, I don't think... I think you want to go and change. Could you step outside for a moment? 
And he goes, he said, man, it's cold. It's like bright, sunny day, blue skies. Well, that was just an indication. You can look outside the window and know what the day will be like just by what it looks like in Nairobi. It's like not in Lincoln, Nebraska. And you know, sometimes you might be in a place where you're like, I mean, I'm at this job that I don't even care for. I don't know why I do this. And then it affects your attitude. You, you, you used to be a happy person. You used to be so, 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 so peaceful and stuff. But you're stressed out because you don't like where you are. And the question is, if you're a child of God, do you know that God's put you there? And so once he's put you there, I'm not, promise, it's gonna, I'm not gonna promise you there's gonna be fun all around. But let it be fun inside. There's a verse that says, For everything that you do, do it with all your heart, not as unto man, not to please God, but as unto man, but to please the Lord. So decide, okay, I do this. I'm Dr. Caitlin now. Congratulations, by the way. But it's the Lord still leading my life when I open people's mouth and <laughs> put some tools up there and then start having a good conversation. Thanks a lot. Dennis, they're fun. They open your mouth. They stick something out there. They're poking you. and say, hey, what do you think about the Huskers this year? Are they going to do... I'm like, great. Thanks a lot. But you know, everywhere you go, you know that I'm a child of God. And every time I take a step, he's with me. He's with me. He led me here. I don't understand everything that is to know, but I know that my God is faithful. I know that he guides his people. I know that he watches over me, and I'm going to be faithful where I'm at. I'm going to be a witness where I'm at. I'm going to be good where I'm at. And I'm not going to lose my happiness because people around me are not good people. I'm going to keep my joy. And I'm going to let the Lord be the center of my focus. Everything. Pastor Dustin was leading us in worship. It's like everything. It's like it's my, his worship. My money is worship. My job is worship. How I live in my home is worship. I honor God with my life. When you honor God with your life, he will honor you back. Honor the Lord with your time. Thank God. You're here. It's the first day of the week. You're saying, no, I could be running the marathon. <laughs> Don't mock me here. I used to run. Don't bring the Kenya out of me here. But I have decided in my life that the Lord is the, my, my, my time. First and foremost, I'm going to put God with my time. I'm not going to wait for the leftovers to think what I have left to offer to the Lord. But I'm going to give him the best of what I have. David said, I will not offer to my God a sacrifice that will cost me nothing. My money. Everything I have, I put you first. And when we land that, when we put God first, he blesses the rest. He can do more with 90% of my money, 90% of my time than I could do with 100% raise every year. So he mocks their worship as if it's nothing. It's not nothing. You're here today, it means something. You're honoring God with your life. And God will start honoring you. With 
And then, because the, you start thinking, I'm just going through the motion. No, you're not. I'm just, does it mean anything? Yes, it does. You're sowing spiritual seeds that have everlasting impact. You're sowing spiritual seeds that will precede you. You will be well gone, but the investment you're making in your spiritual life, it will save a generation coming after you. And then when it doesn't get you there, you start messing with your patience. But they did it in one day. What do you think they're doing? I don't know how they were saying it. I'm just pretending. They didn't have a Kenyan accent either. But they start just trying to test their patience. Now, here that's where I think God created children for sometimes, especially teenagers and two-year-olds. They kind of have something unique. Oh, I'm a patient person. Yeah, I think. You think? But how many know that even those experiences, God brings something out? I have learned so much through failure. Some of my best decisions, most fundamental decisions that have altered the trajectory of my life have been born out of failure. I'm like, I never knew that I could be that nasty. I never knew I could do such a thing. Have you ever surprised yourself? You're like, who that? <laughs> but it's those points that God can build us or into a person that he's designed us to be, but also a person that can be very beneficial and a blessing to others. Have you ever gone through a trying time? And when you're going through it, you're thinking, huh, in the world, just like Jesus, if I could take this cup, Lord, please, if, take this cup away from me. But then he keeps praying back. That was Jesus before the crucifixion. He has this heartfelt prayer with God. In the middle of the wilderness, he knows what's coming to him. And he says, God, you know, if it's possible, if you have it within you, please take this cup of suffering away from me just right now. And back and says, Lord, but not what I want, not my will. I want your will to be done. And he will go and cry. He says that his disciples were looking at this freak show. They are probably thinking something is just strange going on with the Lord right now. They are watching him pray passionately. He's crying. He's bleeding. It's so intense. And he keeps praying. And the essence of the prayer was, God, take this pain, take this suffering, take this discomfort, take this sickness, take this disease, take this financial hardship, take this marriage problem, take this problem with my kids. I just want it gone right now, Lord. God, ultimately, I don't want what I want. I want what you want for me. Because inside of my spirit, my foundation, I already know 
that you are a good God, that you mean to do me good, that even the things that were meant to destroy me, you said you turn it around for my good, that you causes all things to work perfectly and for the good of those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. I don't get this. I don't like how it feels, but I want your will because I know even this pain, even this sickness, even this hardship, it will pass and you will somehow in your way turn it around for my good. And not only that, that others will be blessed because I went through it. That's when God is God. You look through the rearview mirror, five years down the line, you'll say, wow, wow. Did I have to go through that? I would have not liked it. But I'm sure glad he sustained me even when I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He did not leave me. He did not forsake me. It was hard. It was painful, discomfort, uncomfortable. But he kept me. He preserved me. I should have been out seven times, but I got back up and I kept going. And now I can look back a decade later and say, wow, thank God I went through that because I am who I am today because of what I went through yesterday. So the enemy will test your patience, but don't be surprised. Look back and say, I know your schemes. I know your attacks. I know, I know your fast try to... To, to just attack me at my weakness, bringing back the thing that I, I, my failures of the past, the things that I'm too embarrassed to share with anybody. You, you like to, to attack my confidence, making me feel like I am nothing, but I am a child of God. I have been saved by the grace of God, and I, who I am today is not who I used to be. By the blood of Jesus, I am a child, I'm a daughter, I'm a son of the living God. So, I am walking confidently. You're going to try to, to make a mockery of my worship. And my people say, oh, he's got so religious now. It might look like that to you. It might look like weakness when I kneel down and I feel like, oh, I'm so dependent. But in my knees, I'm being made strong. Inside of my spirit, I'm stronger than I ever was. The weakness of my flesh, but my spirit is getting stronger. And under his feet. I'd rather be weak under his feet than be boosted up in front of men and be nothing in the spirit. That's what Jesus says. I don't want to go. I don't want to. It's not profitable for a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul. And lastly, and I'm about to finish here, he attacks your hope. He attacks your hope. If you give up hope, you've given up. If you give up hope, you've already lost. Because there are times when life will just mess with any of us. See, Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. You could have trouble. You will have trouble. But keep your hope. 
Keep your hope fire up. Let the flame of hope just continue in your heart. Take heart because I have overcome the world. I'm like, have you seen my bank account lately? Have you seen the report from the doctor? Have you seen how my teenager acts these days? Have you seen my marriage? Have you seen how things are going? Have you seen my job report? But I have hope. David puts it this way in, in Psalm, I think, 127. He said, I would have given up. I would have given up a long time ago. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so I will wait on the Lord. I will wait patiently on the Lord. I will keep on waiting on the Lord. Because I still believe that I will see his goodness in the land of the living. Another one, he says, that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk, and they will not faint. Lord, teach me how to wait on you, God. Keep the flame of hope in your spirit even when you cannot explain anything. That inside believe that God is good all the time and that eventually I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In Jesus' name. Satan wants to attack you. He wants to discredit you. He wants to discourage you. He is jealous of you, envious of you, because you have something he doesn't have. You have the promise of eternal life. Even when this life is over, it is not over when you're in Christ. He said, those who are in Christ, though they die, they shall live again. Those who are in Christ, we shall be forever with the Lord. So you're thinking, yep. I'm not giving up in this life. I'm still going to win in this life because I'm walking this life with God. But even if it's over in this life, it's not over because I'm in Christ and I have hope in my life. That's why it says that believers mourn differently. They mourn differently. We face trouble like everybody else. And we face death. We face fear. We say everything else. But we face them with the Lord's strength, with the Lord's hope. And we don't mourn like those who do not have hope, it says in John. Why? Because we have hope. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, knew the hope of glory. So what do we do about this enemy when he flares up and brings mockery? When he comes up and starts to attack your confidence, attacks your patience, attacks, mocks your, 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 your worship? He says that I have given you, Jesus says, authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and to overcome every power of the enemy. Any dart that he wants to fly over, it will not attach because the Lord, you have the shield of faith in your spirit and he'll keep on throwing, but he won't hit it because the Lord is your strength, the Lord is your shield, that you have made the Lord your hiding place. Amen. Did you get something from God this morning? Amen.